Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hello and welcome to Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz and my friend Nancy Wilk and welcome to 2019, Nancy. Hi, I am glad to be here. I've missed you over the past couple of weeks and missed engaging with our listeners. So we're happy to get, get back into a new year and see what the Lord has for us this year. Right. I took two weeks off and I mean, I took two weeks off. And I had no classes I was teaching. We didn't do any broadcasts because aside from this, I do other podcasts and things like that. And at first, it took me a long time to get into the new comfort zone, I mean, out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone is being busy, busy, busy. And if I'm not doing something, feeling like somehow or other I failed. And so I had to get used to doing nothing. And then towards the end of my two weeks, it was like, can I get back to work? Am I going to be wanting to get back to work? <laughs> so this is a good start. We're doing here. <laughs> right, right. So um, we're starting a new series. And um, I'm not sure how many weeks it will go. But I think it's important. You know, we, we spent some time talking about the Ten Commandments. And to make a crude analogy, when you're learning how to drive, the first thing they make you do is they make you learn the rules of the road. So you have to pass the test. Well, in a lot of ways, learning biblical law is just that. And as we talked about, we just scratched the surface. We were giving little tastes of implications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's more to driving than passing the driver's test, the written test. You have to actually get behind the wheel and be in a position to apply. What does that red light mean? What do I do at the stop sign? You know, the, the railroad um, signs are coming down. Do I try to beat it or do I wait like the driver's manual told me? So this year we're going to talk about um, the foundations of curriculum and that these foundations need to be based on solid biblical doctrines. And sometimes people might think, oh, yeah, Bible's a subject. Bible should not be a subject in your homeschool. Yeah. Bible is the foundation of your homeschool. And mm -hmm. so um, not that you can't read the Bible together or study things, but if you don't have a doctrinal basis, then everything else isn't going to make much sense. Right. Well, not only is the Bible, it, it's not just a subject, it's the foundation, but it also totally frames and informs everything that we do. It, it, it's God's word to us. It is... Um, it's it's totally um, fully uh, comprehensive in terms of worldview. So, you know, it's not just those things that that hold us up. It, it's the air that we breathe. It's it's just it, there is no function apart from it. In right. reality, in reality, you know, we can imagine all kinds of crazy things, but in reality, there's really no function apart from it. And I think one of the things that happens to homeschoolers is they think 
that what makes them different than going to a day school, especially a public school, is they do it at home and we get some different textbooks. It should look nothing like those counterparts if they're not Christian, because you can't, it's, it's does a disservice to the child or the student to separate out this part of life from this part of life from this part of life and not have a situation where everything, as you put it, has to do with the air we breathe and the air we breathe should be God's law. That, that right. should be it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start off with this week, the introduction in terms of curriculum foundations, our concept of God. Okay. I now, think that's, you know, I think that's huge. It, it that's right. That's it's very, very important. That, that's got to be where we start. But I bet you, if people who will listen to this, who are already homeschooling, sat down and had to write out what they believe about who God is, right? Then um, they would discover that they may not know it as well as they hoped. And then if they sat and they asked their children, Tell me who God is, right? I have to close something that just popped up on my screen there. Anyway, um, who God is, right? They would get some varying answers. So the purpose of this series is to nail down some basic doctrine. And doctrines proceed out of scripture. So it's not like we're pulling these whole cloth. Um, all these doctrines that we'll talk about have their basis in scripture. And if you don't, adhere to a doctrine, then you might believe the current myth that's propagated that all religions are the same and everybody prays to the same God. Right. Because we use the same word, you know, so we, so we assume that we're talking about the same thing. Right. Or those who would like to um, deny biblical truth and biblical law We'll try to make it so that if you don't agree to value and respect other gods, that somehow or other, you're even less than Christian, except what's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods but me, not take all the other gods and say they're me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had people going around impersonating me, I wouldn't like it. No, we don't like that. No. We don't even like people to duplicate our Facebook profile. So <laughs> exactly. And yes, we we yeah. buy into this idea that there are legitimate other gods. Now, I'm not suggesting that we make a point of being rude and disrespectful to people, etc. But if we don't hold to be true that our God, the God of the Bible, is the only true God. Everything else is a counterfeit or an imitation and a bad one at that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Right. So as revealed in scripture, there is one God. And in that one God, there are three persons. So people will often say you won't find the, the word Trinity in the Bible. It's true. You won't. You won't but find you the word gasoline. You won't find the word a lot of things. Right. Right. Even though they don't, um, the scripture doesn't use that word, we still see the triune God together often in right. the scripture. 
And it's very important that the basis of a homeschool curriculum, and, and I could go beyond that in terms of family life, is the Trinitarian nature of biblical Christianity. Because mm -hmm. if you deny the Trinity and you deny any one of the persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, or Holy Spirit as being fully God, then the possibility of something else coming in to take that place. And so a question that I would ask home educators, is your history curriculum Trinitarian? How about your math curriculum? How about how you view science? Mm -hmm. If you can't see the Trinity in all these areas of study, then you're quite possibly and more than likely imposing a humanistic world in life view to your attitude about this. Well, this is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to this conversation because, uh, you know, I can wrap my head around the idea that, that one God, the trying God, but to see him in my science curriculum, to see all three persons in my science curriculum, or all three persons in my math curriculum, that seems a little bit far-fetched, really. I mean, well, you know, but we're, our minds are supposed to be being transformed. So let's, I, I'll keep going with you here, Andrea. Okay. So what I'm saying is that your starting point will always determine where you're going to end up. So for right. example, if um, I'm getting an architect to build my house, or a house that I want to build. And he comes in and he decides that somehow rather in his view, we should put the basement on the top floor. You said, well, wait a minute, how can you put the basement on the top floor? No, no, I have it all worked out. Don't worry, this will work out, right? I'm going to question whether or not this is the architect to build my structure. Right. right? Okay. Well, the Bible gives us the foundation. The very first words of the Bible are in the beginning God. Yes. Okay. That's a very potent statement. Anybody who subscribes to evolution has to reinterpret that statement. Because okay. the Bible starts off with saying, I'm going to tell you how it is. And I'm going to tell you there was a beginning, which means that time is a creation of God. Okay. In the beginning. Sure. Why would, if there was no beginning, you wouldn't talk about a beginning. So in the beginning. And then the first 11, you know, chapters of um, the book of Genesis, you know, will basically tell you what God wants us to know. Remember, only God was there. So in the beginning, God created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anything mm -hmm. that makes God less than creator will give you a false representation of the various subjects that we call math, science, history, literature, grammar, even. Right. right. And right. No one would ever have thought maybe 10 years ago that grammar would be an area of humanistic assault, but it so definitely is today when people are challenging pronouns and how you identify who 
you're looking at. You know, God said in the beginning and he goes through it when he gets to human beings, he says he created them male and female. That's two. That's right. Not 72. It's two. X, X, and X, Y. That's your only that. And God has already determined it. It's not even our choice. It is. It it is. That's how God created us. We can't say, why'd you do it this way? Right. And, well, you can say, why'd you do it? But what good does that do? And yet today, when you say it's not our choice, we have a whole system of oppressive laws and rules coming into place that are going to challenge our concept of God. So if God is creator and he created the male and female, and that's what he created them, and then gave biological markers that say, this is a male and this is a female, and it gets challenged, we need to see that as an assault against God's truth. And what is education if it's not preparing people to know the truth and apply the truth? Right. So God as creator is huge. Because if that. you take that away, then mm -hmm. what's the basis for any true rational thought? People like to say the Bible isn't rational. It's the only thing that is rational. It is. And it's it's the only thing that's rational and consistent. Right. Right. Because he doesn't have to keep changing. One of the statements, I am the Lord, I change not. Um, you look at the U.S. code of law, it's changing all the time. Right. And and our living constitution is an example of how um, how advanced we are that will change it depending on who's in charge. Well, that doesn't hold to a sound society. Right. So as we look at God as Trinity, so we see God as the creator, mm -hmm. the father, then the son is the redeemer. Hmm. Do we need to be redeemed from something? So if you're viewing history from a redemptive perspective, you're acknowledging the fact that there was a need for a redeemer. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to view history, and we'll get into this a little bit more as the weeks go on, you're going to see God as creator who then maintains his creation in terms of his providence. And we're going to see the need for a redeemer. So we'll have to talk about sin. And then of course there's the Holy spirit who is our comforter and our sustainer and gives us new life. So from the very earliest points of teaching a child, there needs to be this sense of explaining how God is fully God in all three persons and that everything needs to be viewed in terms of that. Now, for a lot of people, they'll say, well, I don't have that training. You know, that's why we turn them over. You know, that's why we go to church. So somebody will teach us. Well, it'd be nice if people were teaching this doctrine, but by and large, they're not. And that's why I'm saying just do a casual interview with other believers and find out what they can tell you about the Trinity and why it's important. Right. It seems that, um, well, I, uh, my initial um, training was in a Catholic church as a student. So I had the Catholic catechism. So we learned you know, about the triune God and things like that. But, but over the years, it, and then when I got saved, it was in um, a Baptist church. But then over the years, we talk less and less about these 
real um, foundational doctrinal um, things and are more concerned with, um, you know, the stresses of life and, and not recognizing these are the days that God has made, you know, and looking to see what God is doing throughout history, not just in my my life, not just my happy little heart, you know, but but what has God said and what he what's he doing and, and to see those things. I think we can often overlook that if we're not really mindful. And certainly if we've not been taught those things from the pulpit in church, you really have to read them yourself. And it's oftentimes just, just because of the Holy Spirit, just to lead you into truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us into truth, not just being our comforter. And so that's another point at which the Holy Spirit is often overlooked we can think of the Holy Spirit more in terms, uh, erroneously more in terms of um, of a sentimental excitement and, you know, those kind of things and not realize that the larger role that he plays now in our, um, in our lives. Right. See, it becomes fashionable to say, I don't study creeds because you see my creed is Jesus. Well, unfortunately for people who just say that, they have fashioned a Jesus in the image that they like. So their Jesus could very well be a golden calf that they have formulated to be just what they want him to be. Well, of course, if God is just what we want him to be, then he's not God. Then we're God over God, right? Exactly. So that's why I said we have to really identify our concept of who God is. When, when the Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, that tells us that God should be feared. And the more I grow in my faith, the more I fear God. Sure, sure. If I know that every breath I take is based on his willingness to have me continue breathing, if I realize that each day has enough trouble of its own and I ask for today's sustenance, not tomorrow's, because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You see, that's where wisdom starts when you recognize your total dependence on God. And yet in a self-esteem culture and being self-reliant and we want to raise independent children, I submit we do not. We want to raise God-dependent children. We want to make ourselves and those we instruct not to be self-reliant, but to be God-reliant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, we're supposed to be self-governing, but that self-government comes within the context of what standard are you going to use to govern yourself? Right, right. Another thing, um, Andrea, I think that a lot of um, tra a trap that a lot of people fall into if we if we don't really have these biblical foundations is the notion that God, the father is Old Testament. He's mean. He's he's full of wrath. Um, he, you know, requires the death of people and the death of animals. And he's just an old you know, an old and harsh and mean guy just just waiting for you to get out of line so he can smack you with a 
frying pan. And, and of course we know that that's not true, but that's sort of the caricature and, and um, that we, we, I know people have of, an, of God, the father. And then there's this idea that, you know, Jesus who, who died for me, who loves me so much. And, and I, he did die for us. He does love us, but it's not because I'm so great. It's because he was doing the will of the father It's because I needed redemption. It was because God promised this to, um, because he loved the world, not just because I'm so cute or you're so cute, you know? And then we have this idea of the Holy spirit, you know, that, woohoo, you know, he's, you know, just, yeah, just, let's clap and be happy. And, and that's all. Remember, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. And as Martin Selbrady likes to say, of all three persons of the Trinity, he gets the hardest job because he has to live in sinful men who aren't fully sanctified. <laughs> so that's where his house is. We're, we're the temples of God. So it's important when we're thinking about God, when we speak about God, we're speaking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, not one or the other, right. that they're all three always in agreement, all three, um, even though G Jesus may not live um, in his physical body that he was born with here still, he is still at work. Right. He's seated at the right hand of the father. And he but he's seated at the right hand of the father in his physical body. He still has that body. It's a glorified his body, body is resurrected, but it, it's not on this earth. Right. Right. And his spirit replaced his presence here on earth. And the important part about that, and we'll get into it a little bit, is if you want to identify What's more important, you know, the group or the individual? How do we decide, you know, what aspect of current events or history, what was right? How is it approached? Without the Trinity, you're never going to be able to answer the question, what's more important, the individual or the group? The Trinity, and this is a big subject and one that philosophers spend a lot of time on, um, and, and rightfully so, we have one God, and yet we have the three persons. So which is ultimate, the one or the many? They're both ultimate because they're ultimate in God. So the Holy Spirit isn't a junior God, and Jesus isn't a intermediate God. They're all God. And when Jesus said, the Father and I are one, he was identifying the oneness of God, but he was also identifying the three persons in this one God. And because this is overlooked, right, we have what we call antinomian views, which say the law of God doesn't count. Well, if the law of God doesn't count, why did he bother? Right. If, the if God is anything, he's efficient. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. One thing that um, I think that we need to remember here is what. Well, what do you what do you mean when you say the law of God? Because there's sometimes when Scripture uses the law of God, sometimes it's used for 
the Ten Commandments. Sometimes it's used for just the overall authority of God's word. Sometimes it's used for the first five books of the Bible. Some, you know, so when we talk about the law of God, what exactly are you referring to right now in that in that statement? Well, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word. So God has made sure that he left a, gave us and left a record of what it is he wants us to know. So the law of God is not just the Ten Commandments. The law of God is not just the first five books. And contrary to some people, it's not the red lettered versions of parts of the gospel that are in their New Testament. It's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And because we have become so democratic in our orientation, we miss the reality of a monarchy and the kingship and Jesus being the king of kings and Lord of lords. It isn't a question of we're going to take a poll and find out how many people agree with the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of creation or the doctrine of providence or the doctrine of God's sovereignty or the doctrine of the atonement. You see, this is a lifetime of study, but the study is to make it so that when you encounter things in your life, in the area God places you, you can um, announce and work for the crown rights of Jesus Christ. And unless the children who are being homeschooled understand that they've been born into a royal priesthood, and this priesthood has requirements and duties and obligations. From the earliest time, they realize that their life is not their own. They're not here so they can have a pleasant childhood. That's, I mean, we hope they have a pleasant childhood, but they should be kingdom minded from their earliest days. Because if they're not kingdom minded, guess what? They're going to be minded some other way. And then it right. will be their iPads or their video games, or their sports, or whatever it is. It's not that those things can't have a place in one's life, but if God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is not paramount, then how on earth can we love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength? Right, right, right. There's a lot here. You, you've, you've touched on a lot of things that I wish we could really you know, dig into, we don't have time right now to dig into all of them, but I, I do hope that as we continue in this, um, in this conversation that we'll have time to look at that because that's really important thing. Antinomian, you use that word antinomian, and that's when we um, just categorically pretty much discount the law of God or think that it's obsolete or that it will be reinstated at some future point. Like we're just right. sort of in this space where it's um, irrelevant. And that is never, ever, ever the case. And right. um, so, so those are a lot of the uh, foundational things in a lot of ways. And if we don't put this trying God, recognize the trying God in these orthodox foundations of biblical faith, then we don't really know what we're teaching our children. And we might not be teaching them about the true God. And right. because, because biblical Christianity is not just this one little box and it's not just Jesus sprinkles on top of everything else that we want to do or a ticket to heaven. And, and right. so we've got to 
we got to really, you know, as parents and um, that are not just as parents, <laughs> you know, but as people of God, he's created us. He's called us. He's he's redeemed us. His Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and we have a purpose here, an assignment here. And if we don't recognize that, then we can't step forward in the confidence, in the strength of God that, that we need to do that correctly. Right. So we and don't. Use, well, right. You use the word orthodox. Orthodoxy has to precede orthopraxy. In other words, we have to have the right doctrine before we can practice it. And I think when we have the right doctrine, then we will take every word of scripture and look at the implications and we're going to discover. And I know I have done this, realize I just passed by that statement as if like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then stop for a second and say, what are the implications of that statement? Mm -hmm. So when we're told that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God, we need to stop and say, what does that mean? The gates of hell. Hell has been confined because Jesus won victory and the church is to advance and the gates of hell will not be able to hold because the church of God will overtake areas where this has, um, has been uh, seized by the counterfeit, right? So how on earth are you going to be able to advance if you're not advancing with the weapons of our warfare, which the primary one is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. So hopefully as we go through this, we'll see that there is so much more here to plumb that maybe instead of saying homeschooling is done by the time someone's 18 years old, that all that's happened is there's been a true transfer of responsibility. You're done teaching they better not be done learning. And one of the best ways to communicate that to people is that your children, for those who are homeschooling now, see you constantly learning, seeing you say, wait a minute, you know, I didn't have a right concept of that. And I'm beginning to see how all this ties together. That's how you instill not so much a love of learning, but the duty to learn God's law and apply yeah. it in life. Right, right, right. Well, you started our um, conversation with an analogy of learning um, to to do the drivers, to, to learn how to drive. And you have to take that first driver's test, too. You talked about, you know, all the all the things of, of driving. And those are really um, a lot of those are the foundation. Those are the foundational things. But we are we need to learn how to drive. And, you know, the hardest part is backing up. Or parallel parking, you know, and so still pretty still good. The hardest part for me, <laughs> you know. So, so we really want, um, you know, we don't want our kids, you know, or ourselves to just to be driving around in circles. We really want to be able to, um, to move forward in our lives and in our world in a way that's purposeful and meaningful. And in in terms of how God has ordained for us and provided for us and for those purposes. Um, right. So let, let me just say this. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners have newer cars, but my husband sells cars and we happen to have a new version. Well, 
For those of us who have a hard time backing up, we now have backup cameras. And for those of us who need to know that there might be something on the right or the left, there are little beeps. Well, that's what studying and applying biblical law is like. We get the backup camera. We get to see what happened in the first century or the fifth century or current events because the word of God gives us a full view as much as God wants us to have if we'll seize it. And the, the, the sad part is with such a richness available to Christian families who are in actuality endeavoring to give their kids a Christian education, they're just skimming the surface because they will produce fearless warriors if their children learn if with the full implications of if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Amen. Amen. All right, friend. Well, our 30 minutes went by really, really fast, but um, I'm glad to be back in the saddle here with you and um, to see um, to see what the Lord has and continue discussing these um, foundations for our curriculum. Thank Absolutely. you very much. All right. Till next time, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast, holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.